Welcome to Triskelion. Over the centuries, as the Triskelion species colonized other worlds, populations naturally increased with room to grow on habitable worlds. And with those populations came a need for more and more materials. This led the way to mining conglomerates that harvested wherever a discovery led them. Minor families grew up and died over a single mine, never once visiting their homeworld or any sort of colony that could sustain life independently outside of a dome or tunnel. The question of human rights, beyond might makes right, is determined by each individual ruling structure, whether a country, a house, or a congregation. For most human miners, the desire to live an individual life overpowered any governmental oversight. Unfortunately, this led to frequent deaths, disasters, and unforeseen consequences in the pursuit of wealth. In today's Triskelion, we visit the unforeseen consequences within a planetoid mine. Triskelion 08, Lazarus in the Tomb. Ferris planetoid, Typhon, orbiting star, Formaholt. Surface, uninhabitable. Mineralites, Xenoco Combine. Legal status, United States Territory. Diameter, 1,875 miles. Terraformed tunnels, 456,772 cubic miles. Gold excavated, 25,134 metric tons. Gold remaining, 0.05 metric tons reachable by robotic drill. Remaining population, 11,700 estimated at contract termination. Xenoco offers free passage to Earth for other single point colonies for all residents of Typhon as we bid Typhon a fond farewell. Xenoco maintains no liability or guarantee for the continued running of terraforming and life supporting equipment after 12 months from withdrawal date. Please report to your nearest Xenoco lounge for embarkation. Xenoco limited liability for Typhonese ends in 12 months from contract end date. Xenoco offers free passage and so forth. In some caverns on Typhon, you can still hear this repeating loop 80 years later. Damn all lawyers and creepers. That was my first thought from waking up after death. My throat burned like the fires of hell. My gut burned. But that was nothing. The burning hate in my bruised craw rooted its way down and twisted in my belly. Hate brought my brain back online. There was void and then suddenly hate of those damn creepers that lynched me. Ugh, my eyes were a little crusty, bleary and watery from my ordeal. But I could make my elder cousin out. Joe was dressed in soft embroidered brown hemp garments. His mule, Harpsy, was nearby chomping on the grass and sucking up lichen light with fur enhanced to store light and heat energy. Joe stared back at me with his old weathered face with deep lines, moles and beard growing from gray to white. But it was a healthy, robust beard and a head full of hair thicker than mine and shining blue eyes. The hair was always the giveaway. His body had been treated as a spacer, so unlike me, unless I got money and out of a spacer med shop, he'd probably live another 150 years. He was an original miner. He had some good equipment squirreled away in his mule's saddlebags. Joe must have cut down the rope, 
and injected some oxy and bio repairs into me. He was talking to, what was until a moment ago, my corpse. Gabbling on about how a marshal with military tech would be coming through to restore law and order, and they'd explode the trenches the ghouls and creepers lived in that murdered me. He had saved my life. Joe was an old idiot who lived in the past. Joe puffed his gray-green smoke rings to drift up toward the radiant lichen moss seated on the cavern roof a quarter mile overhead. It was one of the brighter hours, and I leaned back, not just to get away from Joe's cigar, but to let the lichen light bathe my face. A bird, a swallow, I think, raced across my field of vision, grabbing at some flying insect too small for me to see at that distance. <sighs> there is no law, Joe, and don't blow that smoke in my face. How someone can still smoke that gus? My voice complained an echo of its normal baritone, a weak, whispery snarl. As if to prove my point, Joe hocked up a lunger and spat it on top of the servo generator box, a four-foot by four-foot metal cube with covered outlets. Most terraformed lands were seated with them. Joe wiped at his grizzled white beard. Lazarus is among us, I see. Heh. <laughs> you said there's no law. I'll spit where as I want. What you need to be thinking about, Thomas, is moving on. Be happy you're alive. Most people aren't after a lynching by creepers. You're damn lucky I came along with my medicine bag. I should just let them take my mule and supplies. Joe knew from my growling, weak as it was, that I was not agreeing with him. The law was, well, technically we were part of the United States. Technically. But we haven't been on space routes for 40 years or more, and there's just not that kind of traffic back and forth. The law in Typhon? Well, each man was a law unto himself outside of state capitals that held a barracks, and only a few had small spaceports. The vast, interior Byzantine deep within Typhon ended up with each man saying, I am the law in this cavelet. You are the law in that cavelet. And Hammurabi was the only lawyer ever remembered with any fondness. At least, that was the attitude I was raised with in the free provinces I called home. Most folks around the Massachusetts Trench didn't clump together. Clumping was taboo. It brought on cults and fights and bloodbaths sooner than later. A breeze wafted Joe's smudged smoke rings up my nose. I started hacking. Joe was having none of what he thought was my stubbornness. Yes, damn it, Tom. Just let them take it. No mule is worth your life. I'm pretty sure Harpsy shot him a look. No one knew quite how smart an engineered mule was. Joe's lecture continued. You're not going down there. Like you said, there's no law. At least not now. Black Creek Hollow Clan got the haunts bad. Creepers, sneakers, ghouls. How could Trifon be such a strangled, nasty place? I thought of ancient days. The belt of formal haunt, about 23 light years from Earth or two jump points, used to be a happening place in my granddad's time back when the gold came out in rivers. Asteroid Typhon was the world as far as I was concerned. The greatest extraterrestrial gold rush asteroid. Planetoid, I corrected myself. The Alaskan gold rush of the spaceways. Now, pumps designed to last for 10 generations recycled air for the remainders. Back then, tens of thousands worked tirelessly and the same environmental controls served for a few pioneers' descendants like me and, of course, townies. Nests of cultists and a sprinkling of crackpots. Xenoco imported terrestrial life. 
dogs, coyotes, farm animals, you name it, somebody brought it in as soon as the first thousand miles of caverns had been opened up and breathed to life. Some fool brought in modded panda bears that could subsist on the same fungus Joe smoked. Their fur turned from black to green after only a few weeks of eating that fungus. It was an odd situation. Typhon was an odd situation. The life support was paid for and powered and ever auto-expanding through the caverns. The spreading life outran the fastest explorers and pioneers through the endless miles of mined caverns. Meanwhile, robotically managed hydroponic collectives produced a steady yield of nutritious plants and meats. The tech would run for 500 years or more, heating the caverns, lighting the caverns, but did anyone left know quite how it all worked? As the generations moved from one to another, we all just got weirder and weirder. I could see it. I just couldn't do anything about it. Rumor has it that Xenoco had laced terraforming with something to keep the miners working hard. And over the decades it had mutated. Now so as any who got together in too large a cluster built up a concentration of this spore. Then, folks tended to go bloody, and go bloody fast. Maybe it was true, because Typhon states and towns had their share of bloodlettings. Sometimes ritual-like cruelty, and sometimes the crazy would just up and rear and buck out of nowhere. I glanced over. Joe was still droning on. Maybe you could go up to Baltimore. Tell the Earther Commandant. Sure, Joe. I'll travel two months to talk to some corporal who's never even heard of Free State Star of the Sea, or even knows how to smell a creeper. I loved my elder cousin, but he was pissing me off. I don't know why. His pedantry was so stale, so suffocatingly wrong. I forced myself to consider it. I could go to the capital, New Baltimore, where there was a small brigade of USSF military, but it was an outpost, a prefab port on the edge of space. The gold had commercially evaporated long before I was born. Only some small bureaucratic sense of patriotism left the barracks there. Joe looked at Harpsy as her long black ears twitched. Joe said, think the creepers will come back? You know those dummies would probably try and cook Harpsy. Harpsy'd been a mule bred in Prague to hold about 2,400 commands. Sad when a mule was more useful to Joe than me in my broken down condition. Hell, his mule would probably outlive me. I said, they already got my mule and my horse and my gold and my kit. I'm surprised my boots are still on my feet. Joe said, Nah, creepers make better boots than those beggar skins you wear. Funny. How one little crack, one little rib, can open a man up wide. I'd passed almost 40 years on Typhon, and all I had to show for it was a swollen neck and boots fit for a beggar. It was like being born again, or like when that tadpole squirms its way out of its stinking egg sac. Despair broke like a crack of thunder. My whole life broke in a crack of thunder, but there was no thunder. Typhon had no thunder. Something deep in me, deep below words, had had enough. Oh, I could shut up, put it back to sleep, go back to being plain old Thomas. If I did, there would always be a part of me screaming. Screaming until the day I died. A scream ain't nobody would ever hear except me. Suddenly I heard myself saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. 
Joe jumped up, surprisingly spry for an old man. Maybe not so surprising for a spacer. What, boy? Your neck swelling up? That shouldn't be. The mesium should be lining all the inflammation. He saw my eyes. Boy, you gotta settle down. We'll think of something. We'll fix you up. <laughs> I laughed short, hyena-like yips on my intakes of breath. I couldn't help myself. Joe was so funny. Fix me? I saw with new eyes. How could I help not being excited, not being enraged at the utter stupidity of it, of the utter stupidity of me? No, Joe. You did a good job bringing me back. I don't need fixing. No more fixing. I wanted to shut out that old feeling of normalcy, that feeling of just get up, eat hydroponics, work, play, go to sleep. I had it. It wasn't just mania. It was mania, but not just mania. I had to hold on to this, because the old me didn't have the guts. It was too damn nice. The old me was the gerbil eating pellets in the closed Typhon Habitrail. Mammoth as it was, the one thing Typhon was, was closed. It's hard to get a grasp of just how large and utterly useless the slowly spinning Typhon was. Useless and enormous. I put my hands to the back of my neck where the rope had snapped my spine. Born again. If I could just hold on to this feeling, I could snap their creeper necks. I could save a child from fire. I could fly free from this rock. I couldn't do anything, but I would try anything. My namesake said it. I know how he had felt, as if I were there millennia ago beside him. Let us go down to die with him. That Thomas, at that moment, had set both hands to the plow. All in the past had to be discarded, thrown out, because up ahead was the new. The same mad courage filled me as long as I accepted that the old being had died in that lynching. Make no mistake, you could eke out a living in Typhon for earthy goods and med treatments. Folks used handheld accelerated mass spectrometers to get up close and try and snitch the dribs and drabs of gold not harvested by the corporations generations ago. And then there's the madmen who'd go into the no-atmo zones and risk the vacuum of space with patched up spacesuits looking for the big strike beyond the areas the corp had sunk roots. Were they madmen? For the first time I knew, deep down in my gut knowledge, I could put one of those Atmo suits on and mine like a madman. Typhonese madmen weren't mad, that's what I realized. They left the tunnels, left the caverns, left the townies, left Typhon in their Atmo suits beyond the terraformed tunnels. The attraction was obvious, but I knew I knew more. It wasn't just the tunnels, it wasn't just the physicality of it, but the meaningful reality, the life urge, the ethics urge to think and act unencumbered from a lifetime of detritus. I am not a progged mule. I cannot go back into my farming routine. I knew again gut deep that if I went back to weekend specking and flecking, I'd lose this one life-changing moment. Typhon was made of iron rock, a mass eaten through with wormy caverns and me within the guts. The old me worked with Joe on a small luxury farm and mined for specks and flecks on the weekend. The creepers had gotten a measly month worth of weekends and my poor mule and my life. For maybe only this moment, I had broken the spore's influence. Now was the only acceptable time. 
Now I could make empowered choices outside of Typhon's embrace. I was terrified. I won't lie. I was terrified this feeling would fade. I knew it would fade if I returned with Joseph. The thought of my old life was making that old life, those old fears, solidify around me, fossilizing me. Yet, unbelievably, it was Joe who came to my rescue. He'd been eyeing me, seeing the look in my eye. Son, what are you going to do? That question was the anvil of my being. I was not dead. For the first time, I felt I was not half dead and I could strike with this new energy at that very fearful question. And I did. For the first time in my life, I had the right answer because it was the exact opposite of what the man who lived in this body previously would have said. I'm going to Black Hollows, going into the Creeper Town, and get my mule and my horse. Joe tried to interrupt. The marshal, the Massachusetts marshal can go to hell. Marshall was somehow wrong to this new me. I had no animus to authority. I was not anti-authoritarian, but I wasn't strong enough yet. I was strong enough to stand alone. I was not strong enough to stand beside without being reabsorbed into the old me. Anything I stood beside would be Typhonese, would subvert me. <sighs> I had one big vocal intake of breath, like a baby getting its bottom slapped for the first time or a drowning man pulling in air at the last. I wasn't sure whether it was beginning or ending, and by God I laughed because I didn't care. I was alive. I started for the Black Hollows, and I was okay with victory or defeat, because I wrote my law of life in defiance of all I had experienced on Iron Typhon. You take from a soul what's his by rights, I'll take from your body till my soul's satisfied. <laughs>